The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Welcome to episode 10 of the Weekly Harvest. My name is Chris Folico with the Brandon Wee Kings. Joined here with Brandon Crow, the voice of your Wee Kings. And uh, a special guest right off the bat. We're not going to wait. Uh, we got uh, Perry Bergson with us as well. Weekly Harvest brought to you by our good friends at Mainline Motors in Verdun and Bertle. Certainly they are uh, a great partner. They jump on board. They're big hockey fans out there. Obviously the GM, uh, Derek, a former Wee King, former Calgary hitman, played for Dave Lowry. Uh, their sales manager, Drake Bodie, played in the uh, MJ for Dauphin and Verdun. So they're big hockey fans and they'll make it worth your drive. That's Mainline Motors uh, in Verdun or Bertle. And I got to say, for those of you listening this week, I'm a little scratchy. I'm a little hoarse. Three games and three nights, it's tough on the old radio guys. I'm getting old, and uh, you might have to put me on the IR day-to-day here uh, with an upper throat injury. <laughs> well, then maybe it's a good thing for the full podcast that we're joined uh, with our special guest host this week. Uh, we have got from the Brandon Sun, Perry Bergson. Perry, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, your guests are not getting better, though. <laughs> I don't hey. know. I don't know, Perry. You're you're right up there, bud. Right above Bob McKenzie, just below Dave Lowry. But we have to say that because you and I both have to deal with Dave every day. He'll be the top on this list. Uh, Bergson, you're a busy guy. And, uh, Chris going to be mad you didn't mention him. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Forgot about the big boss. Holy smokes. Can we cut that out? <laughs> uh, Bergson, obviously you've got a, a lot on your plate covering the Beat of the Week Kings, but the alumni series, that's kind of one thing I wanted to touch on. You've done a great job of it. Uh, you're approaching uh, 150 now, coming up on 144 uh, when uh, Shane Weeb is your guest. But this week, Riley Day, another uh, local kind of businessman, former Week King. Where did this idea start? Let's go back to that. Who said to you, hey, you should do this, or was this something you concocted yourself? I wish that I could take credit for it. What happened was somebody asked me around the rink what had happened to Bobby Brown, who, of course, played with the Wheat Kings in the early 90s. He was their first uh, Bantam draft choice, by the way, number one in 1990. So I thought about that for a while, and Mike Sawatsky is a close friend of mine. He covers the Winnipeg Ice now in Winnipeg for the Winnipeg Free Press, former Brandon Sun reporter, and he had said, Bobby Brown is the best interview you'd ever do. So eventually I kind of put two and two together and thought, I should find Bobby Brown. He's down in Texas. I did the story. And if I was a smart person, number two would have been right away. But I had to think about it. Uh, Everybody loved the Bobby Brown story. And I was in the shower one day and it occurred to me, you know what, I should keep this thing going. So Corey Sarin was number two. And now uh, Riley Day and Tomorrow's Sun is number 113. And Shane Weeb is 114. It just kept going. It's been so well received by fans and and obviously by the team. And it's utterly unique to Brandon. I'm the only guy doing it. I'm not sure why. Well, that's my mistake. I said 140. I misheard you earlier. It was 114, not 140. It's Getting still incredible myself. to do over You're get 100 there. of these stories. And the fact that you've been doing them for years. Um, and a, a lot of these players, like even us in the organization, like we don't know what happens to them after. So like we're giving you names. Be like, hey, what happened to this guy? And, and you do a great job of tracking down and just you know bringing people back to, to, to kind of relive those days. It's been great. Could you imagine trying to do this? let's say even 10 years ago or more, without the easy access of Twitter, Facebook, text messaging, I don't think you could go back into the 1980s newsroom and maybe have as much success. It'd be hard to track guys down, wouldn't it? You still have a hard time now. I was was, was, was going to say, it's still hard, isn't it? 
Well, the guy that took the most time was Carl Moksak, who played here in the 80s. He lived in Michigan. It's these guys that have long pro careers and then settle somewhere in one of the AHL or NHL addresses that they had. Uh, they're the, the toughest ones. Carl Moksak, I bet I put 20 hours into just finding him, never mind you know, actually Doing the interviewing story. and putting all the research into it and then the writing time. Do you have a favorite one yet, a favorite conversation or a favorite piece, uh, one that you would say is your number one of the alumni series? I've loved every one of these stories. The one that stood out to me, though, uh, was Rob Puchniak, who played here in the late 80s, never played another hockey game after he left the Brandon Wheat Kings, is a religion and philosophy professor now. You know, he took an utterly unique track. And the story that stands out from that story for me was, I believe it was in Tri-City they're playing in, in the 80s. He's in his rookie season, and there's a line brawl, and he freezes. He doesn't do anything. And he gets back to the dressing room after everybody else had fought. He gets back to the dressing room after, and he's just inconsolable. He feels like he let his teammates down. And he goes into Kelly McCrimmon's office expecting to get dressed down. And Kelly reads the situation. And if you talk to a lot of Kelly's former players, uh, I think from the outside you just sort of see the gruff exterior of Kelly. But in that instance, Kelly took this kid under his wing and said, you know what, Uh, it'll come. Like, don't worry about it. You know, you're a good player. You belong here. Uh, don't let this get you down. And Rob never forgot that small kindness. And, you know, he ended up turning into a very, very good Western Hockey League player, all because Kelly McCrimmon read that situation right that one day. That's just that's the, Those are the stories that I love about your alumni series, Perry, is that it's not just a, hey, yeah, he went on to play 15 games in this city mm-hmm. and 10 games here. It's more along the lines of, hey, you know what? He ended up getting married. He's got four kids. His kids are playing hockey now or different stories, memories of their billets. Uh, that sort of thing is, is great. Uh, one last thought on that. Shane Weep, a former uh, you know captain, Memorial Cup uh, team, uh, a big part local boy. He was your latest interview. Uh, a lot of people, uh, even though he's a recent guy, he's kind of a guy that I'd kind of forgotten about. You see him in pictures and videos, but uh, he's going to be uh, another one of your guests here coming up. And uh, another local boy, I would imagine that the column of guys born in Brandon and Westman, it just seems to keep growing because the talent coming in here just keeps getting bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's nice. I haven't done as many of the Brandon guys probably as I should have. I sort of got... uh seduced by the idea of finding these guys that nobody could like remember. Like a private investigator. <laughs> like, yeah, like Chuck yeah. Kilner, who led the team in scoring in 68-69, tracking him down in Thunder Bay. Well, who's talked about Chuck Kilner in you know 30 or 40 years here? That was a fun one for me. But these local guys, I can't forget those stories, and so I'm going to try and hit some of those guys up for the rest of this season. Well, now, alumni aside, let's talk about the, the the current team and more so this past weekend because these were probably the most, I mean, as you get further in the season, every game is now the most important game of the year. But when you look going into Friday, division leaders Edmonton, Saturday, division leaders Prince Albert, and then that game on Sunday, the 3-3, three and three, we were talking last week that realistically the Wee Kings wanted to get minimum three points is what they did, get half the points. But realistically, we're looking for four and more. How do you feel those games went for the team when it was so tough playing the 3-3? Three and three? I thought the Edmonton game was probably as well as they've played all year. Uh, I've talked all year about the big difference I see in this Brandon team is how good they are at getting into shot lanes and blocking shots and actually being disruptive themselves. Uh, Now, Saturday, you run into a PA team that's a very, very disruptive team. They're forever getting in the way. You know what I mean? They have quick sticks. They're, They're 
taking shots away. They're taking pucks away from the Wheat Kings all night. Game three, I think, kind of caught up, <clears throat> caught up to the Wheat Kings in Regina. And to me, it's inexcusable that you give up a late shorthanded goal to allow the team to tie and then lose in overtime. That that's a bad break. That's something yeah. that can't happen. I, I said on the broadcast, and I think you were listening, Perry and Chris. You might have been watching, but you know, I could feel it. And I said that with about six minutes to go. I said I can feel the momentum turning right now. Brandon A running out of gas a little bit, but all of a sudden Regina had a little bit of zone time, a little bit of momentum. They started to carry the play and get shots, and, and nothing against Ethan Kruger, but I thought at times he was kind of spinning in his crease a little bit. There were pucks that, even you look at the Zach Wooding goal, I, I said on the broadcast, if Zach Wooding shoots that puck 100 times, he couldn't do it again. He shot it, it went straight up in the air 30 feet and landed behind Ethan Kruger as he stood there looking around for the puck. It was one of those nights where he had a hard time finding the puck. It was bouncing everywhere. It just You could just feel something turning and for Regina they work hard we said that from day one they beat Brandon uh, earlier on in the season uh, Dave Strouch has them playing pretty well right now uh, despite being on the outside of the playoff picture so again a tough loss but like you said Chris they get three of the six points and at the end of the day 68 points right now uh, they're one back of Winnipeg Winnipeg will play Edmonton on Tuesday the day that this podcast drops so it depends when you listen to this but Brandon's next action is Wednesday in Swift Current so all of a sudden now Winnipeg's got a real tough game ahead of them and Brandon's got a, a game against a team with just 10 wins on the year uh, things are looking from on paper wise uh, like a, it could be a good start to the week for Brandon but at the end of the day uh, points this time of year they're not easy to come by and uh, you can't afford to give them away well and Regina if you take away they're their really poor start of the year. All of a sudden, they're probably contending maybe for a playoff. Well, they started spot. one and ten. One and ten, right? Yeah. It was a real rough start, and since then, I mean, especially since Christmas, they've been playing a lot better hockey. So, by no means is that supposed to be a given game when you look at the standings. But you're, you're right, Perry. It is disappointing when you when you, when you lose it so late like that. With the standings being said, your Wheat Kings, as of right now, at recording of this, one point behind the Winnipeg Ice. The problem is the Winnipeg Ice have got those two games in hand. Now, if you're a Wheat King fan, you look at the schedule though, and all of a sudden, Winnipeg now they go through Alberta and they. Got to play the central teams, and they still got a couple tough matchups as well. So, uh, by no means is that going to be an easy trip for them. But those two games in hand and being a point up for that uh, home playoff spot, uh, probably a more favorable for Winnipeg right now, unless Brandon can go on a bit of a win streak here. But those Saskatoon Blades as well, only sitting three points, three points back. People aren't talking about them. No, like they're I'm guilty right of that too. there. They're right there still. I mean, we have the you know the Weekings beat them twice recently, but uh, with the Blades being right there, if you know if your Weekings fall to that uh, wild card spot, all of a sudden you're not talking. About PA Winnipeg, you're talking about Edmonton, and that's probably not something that anybody wants to talk about with the travel. A playoff position right now, second place is probably ideal if you're going to play Winnipeg. You get the home ice advantage guaranteed. If you do get into the third spot, we've seen it before where teams maybe adjust the series where you, because of the fair, maybe you can manipulate it with Winnipeg, get the first two games, give them three, four, five, maybe seven, somehow manipulate it so you can avoid the fair and not have to play at a neutral site. But Perry, in all your years of covering a league, and you covered the league back uh, with Prince Albert back in the Josh Morrissey, Leon Dreisaitl type days, do you remember a time when it wasn't the teams on the outside trying to get in that was the main focus? And in fact, it's now the teams that are in it that are trying to find a position. Have you seen anything like this? This to me is utterly unique to have four teams in the East Division race. You know, quite often it's three jockeying for position, but four. You know, the fact that you could finish first in the division or you could fall to the wild card spot that is utterly unique to me one of the things that i wanted to ask you perry uh, i think i might have asked you this in the pregame show back on uh, saturday uh, but prince albert a team that's won four in a row since uh, the start of february 
but they get Max Paddock at the deadline. And, and Mark Hapshide said in our pregame conversation that, you know, previously they'd held their opponents in six or seven straight games to under 20 shots, but had lost in the majority of those games. Does Max Paddock, adding that to that team that you saw this weekend, does that make them the front runner right now? Does he, is he the piece that really completes the, the Prince Albert Raider team? I think so. You know, he's played in some pressure games with the Memorial Cup. Uh, you know, great Brandon kid. And actually, tomorrow's column, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Another so, plug. So Tuesday's Support Brandon local journalism. Um, <laughs> yeah, he really is. You know, he, he's a good goaltender. I think what they need from him is to be a Jordan Paperni. I, I don't think he has to make the fantastic saves all the time. I think he just needs to be steady and make the saves that he has to make. One of the other things, uh, both of you guys made a stop in the scouts and media room this weekend and that you couldn't get a chair or a slice of pizza anywhere. That was the busiest the scout room has been all season. For both games. far. Now, obviously, Caden Gooley, Prince Albert, Jake Neighbors of Edmonton, there are some highly touted prospects on both the clubs that came in. Braden Schneider, Ridley Gregg, and uh, I had a chance to talk to a couple of scouts on Saturday after the game Friday night. And the glowing reviews on Braden Schneider from his performance Friday night, you know, three assists for him. Uh, I thought he was physical. He blocked shots. That was probably, in my opinion, his best game since Christmas uh, and and a real good outing this weekend for these guys. But, wow, the pressure was on this weekend. He had representatives from virtually every NHL team here this weekend. That was a pretty cool to see walking in there too, wasn't it, Perry? To me, it was even busier than it was in Nolan Patrick's. Yeah, no, like this was it was it was it was packed in there this weekend. But, again, when you got the two division leaders coming in town um, – and like the names you just listed, I mean, even I heard guys, you know, there to see guys like Cole Reinhardt too, right? Good I guy. mean, yeah. like there was there was a lot of guys who were you know eligible, um, and uh, yeah, there were definitely more scouts than than we've seen in a number of number of seasons. And I think you mentioned in the pregame that there's so many signed guys already with the trade deadline close. Well, yeah, with today being yeah, NHL trade deadline, the day we're right? recording, uh, you know, I said maybe there's a, a team looking at a guy like, say, Luca Burzan. All of a sudden, you want to make sure you do your homework if, if the pro team is about to trade a prospect for another player, that sort of thing. And I know Luca had a great opportunity this week to work with Brian Wilsey, who's one of the player development guys and scouts for the Colorado Avalanche. He was on the ice of practice this week. Of course, Luca is uh, you know a draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche and, and these teams do an unbelievable job. I mean, if we go back to how how long was Mike Rosati here? He was the the goaltending consultant for Vegas. He was here for almost two weeks. I want to say at least, it yeah. was like eleven days. Yeah, yeah working with Yuri. Yeah. These teams, it's amazing. You don't think about it, right? I mean, as a as an everyday fan, you think, oh, he got drafted. Cool. They keep an eye on him. They look at his stats. Well, no, they're they're putting guys in Brandon on the ice with these players to watch them develop. This is before your time, but you remember Shell Samuelson coming to work with uh, Proverov? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he came a number of times uh, uh, that that season, and well, look how Proby's doing now. I mean, certainly the alumni that uh, have really jumped onto the scene here over the last couple of drafts as well. Uh, but with Ridley Gregg, I talked to, and I think I said this in the pregame show. I talked to Peter Sullivan, who I know you like chatting with as well. He's a former Winnipeg Jet, works for NHL Central Scouting. He said to me the Weeking fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with how far Ridley Gregg has climbed up the final rankings. Uh, with his play here uh, since the Christmas break. I know that he was a little frustrated with a couple of the penalties he's taken here in the last couple of games, but he's really come on here in the last little bit and has been real consistent when maybe a guy like Luca Burzan's kind of fallen off offensively a little bit. Ridley's picked up the slack. Well, I always talk about another WHL team scout that I talked to about Ridley Gregg one day who said he's Sam Steele. I think he's different. I think he's evolved beyond that. He's more physical than Sam Steele ever was, but you see some of the same offensive instincts. And I think if Brandon fans get Sam Steele 
out of Ridley Gregg, they'll be happy. Well, if you go back to his first season, 35 points, 14 goals, 21 assists. He's already surpassed both of those with 21 goals and 31 assists. And if you look at Sam Steele and the comparison uh, from Regina, his first year he had 37 points, and then he surpassed that to 47, or pardon me, he had 54 points up to 70 and finished with 131 and 83 respectively. So if that's a, a nice comparable uh, I think Weeking fans would be awfully happy about that. And the thing about Ridley, I asked him, I said, so are you going to the NHL draft? Are you going to be there? What's your plan? Because I'm going, I'm, I want to figure out where you're going to be, maybe do a couple interviews. He said, ah, I don't know, I'm not worried about it. Like just the casual, like he hadn't even thought about it. And I said, well, Ridley, like if you're there a couple days early, I'll be, I'll take you out for dinner or whatever. Ah, whatever, we'll see. Like he just doesn't <laughs> care, right? Like he just, I know he cares, it's in the back of their minds, but they really, those guys, him and Schneids have done a great job of just kind of rolling it off their back, haven't they? And when I, whenever I talk to them about that, too, they always kind of keep saying that all they got to do is focus on this season anyway, so they don't look past it. I mean, they just want to play well for the Wheat Kings this year, and whatever happens, happens. They've both done a real good job with just kind of limiting the uh, the excitement or the expectations on that. Schneider coming into play this week, a three-game point streak, a goal and four assists in his last three. has got a point in six of his last ten games. Like I touched on it a little bit. The way he's come along, and defensively, I think Brandon's defense, the six guys, seven guys, whatever they're going with, are playing some of their best hockey right now. A guy like Johnny Lambos is quietly blocking every shot that comes near him. Dom Schmeeman's been physical. Would you agree that, you know, based on the last couple of years, it's been the most consistent defensive effort from from a group? Oh, absolutely. And I think you've seen that overall, though, from their forwards as well. Uh, the back-checking they've had from the guys up front has been fantastic. But I think we're seeing the growth in those defensemen. You know, they all came in as rookies together, it seemed, like what was four of them came in together. And all of them are so far evolved beyond where they were. You look at Chad Nychuk's numbers, for instance. Um, The first half of his rookie season, he was finding his way. You could tell he didn't have much confidence on the ice. He's at a point now where he's handling the puck really confidently and, you know, he, he's making huge contributions. Lambos with the shot blocks. Nathan Salemi has played very, very well. Uh, you know, that whole group has been very good. You were just talking about shot blocks. Last game, the one that really got my attention, you guys see when Duncan Pierce down the south zone, he went to block a shot. He used the open palm of his glove. Probably not an ideal solution. Like he literally that. was playing goaltender <laughs> in the slot. Uh, just whatever the guys can do to try to help their team out, they're doing it. Forwards, defense, everybody's chipping in. And I think a lot of that comes straight from the top with Dave Lowry. I, I've noticed, mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like every other radio guy said to me, boy, your team's playing like 20 Dave Lowry's out there. I've had a couple of guys say that to mm-hmm. me. You've been around the guys. I mean, Chris, you take them out of the community, Perry. You talk to them on a regular basis. From a from a cohesive unit group and guys getting along and being a, a team, these guys are sacrificing for one another, especially for Yuri. I mean, these guys are blocking shots. The the tight knit of this group is is something that's been a pleasant surprise to me. I've really enjoyed being a part of. At, at least from my perspective, Perry, and you can maybe talk this too. I don't think I've seen a tighter Wheat King group since the Gold Rush year, since 2016. Just in terms of how the guys react with each other, um, how I know how they hang out, like outside of the arena, like this is like a group of friends who are just playing hockey together. It seems there's a small clue that really gives you an insight into the team itself. And that is when they're not playing, you know, when they're just, they're in their street clothes, who's, who are they leaving the rink with? And to me, it's a different guy every time hanging out with a different guy. You've seen cliques some year where, you know, it's the Alberta guys that hang together. It's the rookies who hang together, the overagers who hang together. 
it could literally be anybody leaving the rink with anybody this year. Yeah, and especially the one thing that I enjoy the most, and maybe it's because I'm a former goalie, but the friendship and the companionship between Ethan Kruger and Yuri Patera. I mean, even last night uh, in Regina, you know, Ethan gives up the overtime goal. Well, who's waiting for him on the bench uh, to, to give him a, hey, don't worry about it, let's let's move on. Yuri, first guy right there, pat him on the back, make sure he knows everything's good. For two goalies, that's a hard thing to do. Being a backup goalie, you want the other guy to be good, but not too good. Just like Kelly Taylor joked at the uh, sportsman's dinner, you want everybody on your team to be really good except for the other goalie, <laughs> but you have to pretend like you're not. But those two guys, they're best of buds, and I think that's been a key part of why both of them combined have had such success this year. That was the first thing that Dave Lowry said he noticed talking to the two of them How is how tight they were. So, you know, that speaks highly the character of both of them because they both want the crease. You know, they're both potentially number one goalies in this league this year. Yeah, it's it's something. You want your guys uh, to play well, but uh, you want to be in the net as well. Uh, let's swing our attention to the uh, other side of the conference or uh, the other side of the league in the Western Conference. Uh, we've only seen these guys once. They only come through Brandon uh, on the once-off chance. This year it was the BC teams, but... Portland running away with things right now, at 87 points atop that U.S. division. Boy, they have been absolutely lights out. However, they've lost two in a row now, which is pretty much unheard of for them. They went so long, I think 21 straight without a regulation loss. Now they've lost two in a row. They've lost three of their last 10. But still, right now in the Western Conference, a lot of people are saying they are the team to beat. But I think if you're the Kamloops Blazers, you've probably got something to say about that, don't you? Well, don't forget that they lost to Everett last night, and that was a four-point game. I believe that Everett is within, Everett's what, three second. points? Three points three back, now. yep. Yeah, so that's a race there. But Everett's won a... six in a row, too. Everett and Spokane are both 9-1 and one in their last 10. So they are they are no pushovers in that division either. That U.S. division is if stacked. Portland hadn't built such a lead, both those yeah. teams going eighteen and two combined might be putting a little bit of pressure on them. Yeah, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on this, Perry. We touched on it a little bit on the pregame show back on the weekend, but Kelowna firing Adam Foot. Uh, they go with Chris Millette. It's uh, it seems like strange timing, uh, but of course they've had such injury trouble, and right now sitting in a wild card spot in that Western Conference. It's tough to see a guy lose his job, but Bruce Hamilton f- probably felt like he had to just do something to show the fans like he, the season wasn't lost, right? I think that that's probably why that move was made. You know, who knows how it pans out. And ultimately, you know, how far they go in the playoffs, and that doesn't mean a lot. Uh, it's how they play in those four games or five games at the Memorial Cup that will ultimately be the judge of this season. And it's so different between playing a seven-game series and a one-game playoff, right? You've seen it with Brandon at the Memorial Cup in Red Deer here as well. You could have a team like Saskatoon back in whatever year that was that they hosted. They lost in the first round, and they ended up beating the team that won the Memorial Cup and the Halifax Mooseheads in the tournament, right? So anything can happen when you get to that point. One of the interesting things is that online you know, fans are outraged. Cologne is going to be the worst host ever and all that sort of stuff. I don't know, you know. To me, do you want to do what Swift did? Do you want to do what Saskatoon did? Do you want to do what Regina did, where you blow things up, you know, for one week of the season and then pay for it for five years, ten years? You know, like Manny Viveros left a smoking crater in Swift Current that Dean Brockman's trying to pick the pieces up on, but that's a Swift team that could be four or five more years until they're good. Before they're even competitive. At what cost? You know, do you win league championships or be competitive in the Memorial Cup? I think it's a little unfair to ask these franchises that need to put people in the seats to pay the bills, you know, to to blow things up for a five or ten year period for one season. It begs the question of should they go away from a host team? 
uh, that is going to play in it, right? You can have a host city and a host rink, but should that team be guaranteed a spot, right? Because all of a sudden you're putting the pressure on it, and it's not just the best of the best. That's well, the and, most interesting debate. And there's been discussions over the years of even adding in more teams, like yeah. not just having the three league winners, but having the runners up as well and making it a bigger tournament. Um, so you know, who knows what they're going to do in the future? But uh, yeah, you're, you're you're right, Perry. It is a lot to give up for you know five, ten years in the future for 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 one year of glory. And you know what? Like, let's not pretend that this Memorial Cup stuff was sent down to us on stone tablets. Uh, you know, the Memorial Cup format has changed oh, many, yeah, right. many times over the years. So if they want to change it again, you know, so be it. It was a three-team format when uh, the Wheat Kings played it in the late 70s. Right. You know. Uh, right now, we've got a few minutes left. We better go into the email inbox. As always, we'd encourage you to drop us an email. It's Q... No hate mail, please. No hate mail. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> QWeeklyHarvest at gmail.com. The letter QWeeklyHarvest at gmail.com. I got a couple of emails last week we're going to read. Uh, the question that uh, the Crow put out there is, who would you want to see uh, in the playoffs? Where do you want your Wheat Kings to finish? Uh, Matt Caskey says he would much rather play Winnipeg simply just because of the distance. I get it. It's only I agree. You know, it's, it's only two I hours away. Too. Plus the whole rivalry. Uh, Richard Marsh likes the pod and would like to uh, say that he would like to take a minute each uh, podcast for us to talk about the graduates kind of where they're doing so the local guys kind of like an alumni spot like kind of like a Perry does I guess just a bit of a podcast like edition it. maybe we'll just grab up a stack of Perry's old articles and, <laughs> yeah. and we can kind of go there, through we got there the Brandon Sun yeah. as uh, far as where he wants Brandon to finish he says first please he just wants to get that division banner um, have a better chance to beat Calgary than Winnipeg unless Hughes has a meltdown in net with a heavy workload so that's how he feels uh, we got Got an email here from uh, Mr. Chase on Jake's dad, Steve. Enjoys listening to the podcast. Uh, he would like to hear about player roots, something like a quick uh, stories on some backstories of kind of the, the uh, current players. So uh, both great ideas. We're going to try to work in the future podcast. If you got any uh, suggestions, anything you want us to hear about, again, you can drop us a quick email. It's qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Well, here's one for you, Steve. And you might already know this, but Jake's uncle, Doug Lidster, Played 897 games in the NHL with Vancouver, St. Louis, New York, and Dallas. <laughs> Is that where he's wanting us to go with this? Because I think those are the best stories. <laughs> there you go. Okay, and he's in tomorrow's alumni profile with Riley Day, <laughs> just to bring all this around, because he was the uh, defensive coach in Medicine Hat when Riley played there. How about that? A six degrees of separation. There you go, there Steve. You go, Steve. That was You're just for you, bud. You're there on you some. Uh, our prospect of the week this week, we're going to dip once again into the uh, greatest small town in all of the prairies, Boys Bay, Manitoba. Uh, Zach Turner, uh, he's playing with the Southwest Cougars uh, right now. Of course, he was a draft pick. Uh, Where's your Tommy spring. the Turtle tattoo? You, <laughs> I, he, I can't he's on you somewhere, isn't he? <laughs> uh, he was second round, 31 overall, 31st overall by the Wheat Kings this past spring. Uh, in 48 games, uh, the offensive defenseman, uh, 12 goals, 17 assists, 29 points on the year. Uh, he measured in uh, this year. He's kind of a lankier guy. Needed to fill out a bit, but he's solicited 6'2", 170 pounds. Uh, you like him uh, for his size and his offensive ability, Perry. We've touched on it. The prospect pool for Brandon is pretty deep right now. Yeah, and he's actually playing with another prospect in Southwest and Owen Harris. He was last week's prospect of the week. Yeah. Um, shoots the puck. Really good offensive instincts. Uh, you know, they're, they're young guys. They're going to have to grow into their game more, and he's going to have to grow into that frame. But Boy, oh boy, he could be a big part of uh, the Brandon Wheat Kings moving forward. And another six degrees of separation. His uncle, Randy Turner, was the former great scribe uh, at the Winnipeg Free Press, one of the, mm. the best sports writers uh, the province has seen in the last uh, little while. So, uh, again, another newspaper connection uh, to our uh, prospect of the week this week. Uh, let's look ahead at what's coming up for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Depending on when you listen to this pod, Brandon's got three games uh, through the Central Division this week. Starts Wednesday in Swift, Friday in Calgary, Saturday in Lethbridge. 
Then they'll kick off the month, month of March with a road game in PA, and then the next five, uh, five of their last six are on home ice. So a tough road schedule again for Brandon, but uh, they'll finish off with relatively easy travel schedule. Yeah, and that Saturday, March 7th game, so it's the same team that we just saw this past Saturday, Prince Albert. They return to town, so another Weeking Raider matchup. Uh, that'll be a very important two points. Uh, as all the Saturday games this year, so if you got the families with the kids, the $5 kids tickets, the $5 kids concession specials, if you buy your ticket at the Keystone Center box office, you'll get uh, the free voucher for the Happy Meal from McDonald's. So uh, Saturday's great nights for the kids, uh, but uh, talk about massive points in the lines. You got PA on the Saturday, the seventh, and you got uh, the next Friday, uh, Saturday, Regina and Saskatoon in town. Um, so again, a couple of big uh, d- division matchups there uh, before finishing off the year with that home and home with Winnipeg on the twentieth and twenty first. So uh, we want to thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, be sure to pick up uh, a Brandon Sun. Check out all of Perry's uh, articles. Uh, the previous ones are posted on the Weeking website from previous issues. So just uh, throw it into the Weeking's uh, website. Uh, give it a quick search uh, for any of the former articles. Uh, pick up a paper this week, uh, Riley Day, tomorrow, right? That's yep. tomorrow's paper. Uh, and, of course, uh, Perry will have coverage. We'll have coverage on Q Country of all the road games this week. We'll have uh, each pregame show half an hour before puck drop starting uh, 6.30 Wednesday in Swift Current. Here's what you have to do, because I just did it. You Google Wheat Kings Alumni Spotlight. Boom. Everyone pops up right there. So there go. just go to Google, and it's all right there. And be sure to follow us uh, on our social media channels. Send us an email as well. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see. Uh, if you want Perry back or not, uh, we'll maybe throw a poll up. Uh, <laughs> If if you haven't had enough of Perry, he uh, joins us on every pregame show on Q Country as well. So as well uh, as every crow's nest. Yeah, thanks for coming along, Perry. This Thank you, guys. Right on. All right, next week the weekly harvest podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday, and uh, if not, hopefully you'll catch you. I was going to say catch you at the rink, but there's no home games not this till week. March. Not till March. Hopefully so you're tuned into your old clock radio like Perry was. Tuned into the old radio or online WHL live. But uh, thanks for tuning on in the weekly harvest podcast, and we will talk to you again next week. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wee Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wee Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.